Oh, well, I can cut this off, so it's okay. I know you I can. can. I'm just hours. like, we're wasting time. All righty. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Solidarity Sports Network. My name is Tyler Kastner, and I'm joined today by John Paul Jackson Rect. Yep. Yep, and uh, yep. Stevan Smith. What's up? How you doing? All righty, fellas. Well, how are we feeling about the end of week 18, end of the NFL season? Fucking fantastic. Yeah, I'm real excited to get into the playoffs. And also, it falls on MLK weekend, so, you know, we can have a full Sunday, you know, do whatever the hell we want to do, and then not have to go to work on Monday. So Damn, imagine weekend. having work off on Monday. Couldn't be me. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be me either. Uh... Your jobs don't observe MLK Day, racist. Okay. Ooh, 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 ooh. Right, let's, let's stray away from that. I'm kidding, um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. JP, up. yeah, the Seahawks performed well above your expectations. I know on the podcast. No, well, okay, the Seahawks didn't perform above my expectations. The Lions did. The Seahawks almost <laughs> took against the Rams in overtime. So That is 100% well, accurate. To be fair, you did also, uh, you bet monetary dollars on the Rams. And I believe on the podcast, you did call for a Rams victory. So I said the, the Rams would win and the Lions would win. And I was... Pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty close. You were. And I think yeah, you reverse jinxed the, the hell out of that one. Given that the Lions <laughs> won without any playoff aspirations, I think we could all agree that should the Seahawks have lost, I think the Lions still would have kicked the shit out of out of the Packers. So, absolutely, it was an exciting weekend for sure. Uh, so let's kick it off. We uh, have some topics that we've whittled down uh, throughout the exciting week eighteen matchups, and then. Uh, forecasting into the playoffs. So we'll go ahead and start um, with the Jaguars, actually. Uh, so the Jaguars played on Saturday night, locked up the AFC South, and are going to the playoffs for the first time in a few years. I did not think that it would necessarily happen. Trevor Lawrence didn't really play all up to expectations, the mm-hmm. hot streak that he had to end the year, yet they pulled it out on the defensive side. Uh, what do we think about the Jags' defense? I mean, they they were clutch. They they recovered a fumble and they scored what ultimately was the game-winning touchdown. I definitely think that game was, if you're a Jaguars fan, you're definitely a little bit more nervous going into the playoffs than maybe you should be because of how that game went for three and a half quarters. But ultimately, they won the game. You know, they're 9-8, and eight, Peterson's coach of the year. Everything's great. Jags to the Super Bowl. Uh, but um, that's not a big take. <laughs> whoa, 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 hold on there, hold on there. Yeah, that's not, that's not a take. That's just a joke. But yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, that play is going to be talked about ad nauseum. Uh, you know, the fumble recovery and everything. I think that the call on the field should have standed, stood either way. And uh, looking at the replay, I don't know if I could have had indisputable evidence to overturn it. So it was called a fumble, and it stayed a fumble. So yeah, I totally agree. I think it should have standed. <clears throat> Uh, I really do think that, uh, <laughs> I mean, I at myself. the end of the day, I mean, I, I really, I think even if it was called an incompletion on the field, would first of all go to the ref for letting it play out just in case it was, you know, that you can always go back and overturn it, Yeah, which I think is Absolutely. a little bit more contentious than I, it should be. Cause of the, like, if you're calling it a fumble on the field, it's harder to overturn it than it is. If you, I don't think the idea of letting it play out, uh, should let you sway your opinion. If you're on the fence, if you think it's more of an incompletion, you call it an incompletion. I don't think you just let it play because it's harder to overturn it the other way. I don't think yeah. that you should necessarily give them that benefit. That being said, I do really think it was a fumble, and I think if it was called an incompletion, it would be overruled. It's one of those situations where the ball was out of his hand and he pushed it forward. Just because it's going forward doesn't mean it was a pass. I, it, I, I, it was a good call on the field, and I think that the refs thought it was that way because it was that way. So. I, for one, will not stand it for this because (laughs) I I, I watched this play over and over again. I went on Twitter, saw all their reactions. To me, this was so clearly in his hand, and he had the forward arc. If we look back, the NFL likes to convolute and complicate really simple principles and rules of what is a catch that's impossible to define and – you know, getting your feet in bounds and completing the process and all these other things that we have to jump through hoops for. When we look at what a fumble is versus an incomplete pass, that to be clear, we're talking about the Dobbs play, the game winning play. And Dobbs goes back to, he, he arcs his arm back, he gets the pump, and then 
his elbow cocks back and he starts the forward throwing motion. And in any time that I can remember in a game, the forward prog, the forward motion of the hand is what determined the incomplete pass. So to me, I, I don't see the ball moving before he reaches that apex of the backswing, back throw, whatever you want to call it. He reaches a peak and then he starts to propel forward. That's when the ball gets loose. And furthermore, the distance that he gets on that ball, if it was an ordinary fumble that he just knocked forward, I don't think it travels 10, 15 yards down the field that it did. I think he had to have put power behind it. Um, I think we've seen other calls go the other way. Tom Brady certainly gotten this call as an incomplete pass. So say it's because it's Joshua Dobbs and nobody gives a damn about him, maybe. But I don't know. It really it really looked incomplete to me. I, I think the Jags got screwed here. Or the Titans got screwed, rather. And the Jags got a free ride. Yeah, it's a tough play. You know, thanks for the physics lessons there about, you know, arc and forward <laughs> momentum and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you know, if you look at the play, it's, it's super close. It's like one of those, you know, 51 to 49% and they called it a fumble on the field. And I really don't think that there was indisputable video evidence, which is the standard that you need to overturn something was, was present enough to overturn the call being a fumble. So it is what it is. I think if you look at the angle of the shaft, it's clear that the Titans got fucked and the Jags are going to the playoffs. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything the NFL is going to do about it. And I think that we, I'm perfectly happy watching a Jaguars Chargers matchup. I would, I would be at home snoozing on a Titans Chargers matchup. So uh, it's good for the you league. know what? Now that you put it like that, good on the refs for protecting yeah. us from the yeah. Joshua Dobbs Titans. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, Jets Dolphins refs were not as kind, and they allowed the Dolphins to win mm-hmm. for some un- ungodly reason. Um, but th- but we'll talk about that another time because we have to focus now on the Steelers who also would have liked the Dolphins game to go the other way, ending an incredible end of season run. The Steelers started the season two of two and six. They would go six and two, seven and two uh, to end the season, ending nine and eight, saving Mike Tomlin's winning season record. I, I can't say enough about the Steelers and what they managed to pull out. I think more than the Steelers, it's Mike Tomlin. Uh, I saw one stat that said that in Mike Tomlin's time of the Steelers, they have played one game where they were not in playoff contention. Yeah, I saw that stat too. Yep. Yeah, that that's, is a, cra- that's that is a, a ridiculous crazy stat. stat as a head coach. Uh, so all, all the credit to him, in my opinion. Uh, I think they're in a good place for the upcoming years, and I think this is a sign of things to come. And uh, I hate that. So, <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, well obviously okay, – <laughs> Obviously, all the credit does go to Mike Tomlin for the most part, right? Like he's just he's just one of the best coaches in the history of the game. You know what he can do with relatively you know less talent even now is just amazing to see. But I want to give some credit to Kenny Pickett. You know when he first came in. Well, I'm going to give Kenny Pickett his flowers a little bit because Kenny Pickett, when he first came in, he was inserted at like halftime of a game. He came in, he threw three picks. The Steelers lost. And everybody was saying, oh, this kid doesn't have it. You know, he's not really – I don't really see it from him and stuff like that. You know, why was he drafted in the first round? I heard some talk about that. But you know what? He didn't let that, you know, derail him in his rookie year. He he kept going. He's found himself, you know, a new budding kind of star wide receiver in George Pickens, who I think is going to make a lot of contested catches from him for for years to come. You know, Pat Fryermuth, I think, was injured for a lot of this game. But Pat Fryermuth's a really good tight end. Najee Harris, they have, like – they have an offensive future. I know that their defense with TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick is, is, you know, the biggest part of their team right now, but they have a future offensively. You know, Najee Harris, George Pickens, Kenny Pickett, you know, Pickett to Pickens. You know, you're going to hear a lot of that, you know, in the coming years on, on long touchdowns, I think. So they have a bright future ahead of them. I think that they'll be able to – they'll be they'll be, probably be better than the Browns in the division. They'll probably – surpass wow. the Ravens in the division over a couple of years. They'll just have to contend with the Bengals for years to come because, you know, the Bengals are awesome and they're young too. But, you know, credit to the Steelers. They're going to be an exciting team. If they get that offensive line figured out, they're they're going to be a really good team. I give no credit to Pickett on that. I think he has amazing um, mm. position players around him. I think Pickens has bailed them out on a lot of bad throws. Uh, I think he is a good running back who's been stellar at, at the exact same time, coincidentally, as he has started to pick it up. Uh, and anyway, I mean, no, no, no knock on the guy. He's doing well, but I just, I, I'm not giving him the credit for this, this run 
But he'll get better. Like if he gets an off season with the ones, you know, practices with the ones in training camp and everything like that, you know, he gets a chance for Mike Mike Tomlin, who we all are saying is a great coach, to coach him up a little bit more to like, you know, you're our guy now. We're going to give you all the resources and all the playbook and packages and all that stuff for you to succeed. I think that, you know, second year Kenny Pick, he may never be, you know, a superstar. You know, he's certainly probably never going to make a Pro Bowl because, you know, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Mahomes and all that. But I think he's a guy that can, you know, get the Steelers to the playoffs and win a couple of games, you know, in the future, maybe. I don't know. And yeah, so I said last week um, on the podcast that I think Kenny Pickett is the rookie of the year. I think he saved it here. You know, JP, the great part about the show is sometimes you're going to be wrong and that's okay. Uh, because Kenny Pickett. Yeah, because you're not going pick is not going to win rookie of the year. What's his odds? Like plus 4,000. <laughs> That's oh, a crazy oh, take. No, no. It, it, mu- it must be better now. I don't think he's gonna yeah, I don't think he's gonna win the award, but he had a good season, so yeah. The rookie of the year is gonna be is gonna be really hard. It, it's gonna be close, I think, because Brees Hall, we'll, we can get into this in another episode. This is another episode entirely. But Brees Hall should be and, and would have been, maybe is better term, would have yeah. been the rookie of the year. Garrett Wilson, unfortunately, the Jets fell apart. So Garrett Wilson, I think, is out. Olave, the Saints fell apart. I think he's out. Kenneth Walker, I think, has the second best argument. There is a quarterback bias in the eyes of the voters. So I think Kenny Pickett will pull this off. I think we also saw Kenny Pickett progress in front of our eyes. He had a Sunday night football game against the Dolphins. I forgot what week that was. And we watched him try to lead a game-winning drive. And he just failed. He couldn't do it. He, he he wasn't ready. I think he threw an interception in the red zone, maybe the end zone. And then full circle at the end of the year, he gets a Sunday night football game against the Ravens. And he wins it on a last second drive on a Patrick Mahomes style throw. And and the defense shuts it down. That That's progression in real time over the course of a few weeks. I think Steven's right. I think if you give him a full offseason with the ones, he's going to have the the full franchise behind him. There's no Trubisky. There's no other guys in there. Um, give him the, the entire offseason. I think they have an offensive future. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, I agree, but I'm going to correct you because you are wrong. You're just wrong about him winning Rookie of the Year. And about his, <laughs> the, So first of all, according to Vegas, Brock Purdy is four times more likely to win the award than Pickett. So, what? Yeah, eat that. What? Uh, Kenneth Walker is the odds-on favorite. He's minus 150. Yeah. Uh, right after that is uh, Garrett Wilson at plus 150. Then Brock Purdy at plus five hundred, and then Kenny Pickett with a whole bunch of other people. Uh, that being said, well, I know what I'm doing say- when we hit end. <laughs> well, you okay? Uh, you keep saying that there's this QB bias, but the last five winners are Jamar Chase, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Dak Prescott, Todd Gurley, Odell, Eddie Lacy, Robert Griffin. Like you have more wide receivers and running backs in there than you have quarterbacks. So I, I just I don't see this QB bias that would that would help him at all. And if the QB bias is going to help anyone, it seems like it's Brock Purdy. And, who, and also, you keep talking about this development. Wow. And I wow. don't think that Kenneth Walker should be punished for coming into the league and immediately kicking people's shit in. Like, yeah, he didn't develop because he was a fucking – he was on it from the moment that Rashad Penny got injured. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I just – sometimes, wow. as you I'm said, so sometimes on this podcast, Purdy. you're wrong. So, uh, Fair anyway, enough. we can move on to the next thing, but I just had to correct you. Uh, for the viewer's sake, honestly, more than anything else. Uh, well, I mean, you said, know, the, the stats don't lie, you know. I, I, I'm just so shocked at Purdy. I mean, obviously, great end to the year, but the Niners are not built around Purdy. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's interesting. I think the um, mystique behind him being Mr. Irrelevant kind of yeah. is part of that, too. Like, you know, the fact that he's literally the last draft pick and he's 5-0 and oh and about to go on a playoff run, like, that's probably... I just don't think anyone oh, he, would... I don't think anyone would argue that... Uh, five games is way too little of a sample size for rookie of the year. Like he would have to be the first Mr. Irrelevant to even be obviously. in contention. For I think he's the first Mr. Irrelevant. Maybe. Yeah. I think he's the first to ever throw a touchdown pass. Honestly. Yeah, I think so too. I think I did yeah. see that. There's a lot of Mr. Irrelevant that don't even make the roster. Like <laughs> exactly. and most Mr. Uh, Irrelevant aren't quarterbacks. That's the thing too. Yeah. That's also true. Anyway, let's go on to the next thing, which is the draft. Uh, so the number one pick, uh, the draft did not shake out how I wanted, and I'm very upset the, uh, that the, the Broncos won. But, um, you know, top five pick for trading Wilson, not bad. 
but so that being said, I, there's a lot of weird projections going on out there, and I want to I want to annul any of that. First of all, the Colts will not trade up, and if they are, it's got to be the dumbest move in franchise history. I don't think you're Not that even. upset with getting Bryce Young over Levis. I mean, there's just been too many quarterbacks that have fizzled out for you to trade away the rest of your draft for a slight preference in quarterback. Like, yeah, this is going to be the guy you build your franchise around, but you've had a lot of those recently, and you can't afford to go back three years just betting on one guy. So the number one pick, it's not it's not going to be traded unless it's traded way deeper. Uh, it's not going to get traded to the Colts. The Colts are going to be perfectly happy with Bryce Young or Levis, whoever they end up with. And that being said, even if they do want Levis over Bryce Young, I don't think they trade up for Bryce Young, first of, first of all. And second, even if they do end up wanting Levis, the, the, I, I think Houston probably takes Bryce Young anyway. So I, I just there's, there's no reason I see for you to trade up to get the number one pick. I think Chicago's playing it cutesy, being like, oh, we might take a quarterback. It would be the craziest and dumbest move in the Bears' history which is saying something to take uh, to, 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 to take a QB with that first overall pick. I mean, that just, that, that would be insane. Uh, I think that it's, it's a close one. I think it's a close one between Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. I think they probably take Will Anderson because he's, he's the better athlete. Um, but uh, which is good because if Jalen Carter manages to fall down to Seattle, that'd be amazing. But because uh, Seattle needs an interior lineman, I keep seeing all these projections with Seattle taking whoever isn't an interior lineman. And considering that two of the greatest prospects in this draft are both interior linemen, they're going to take one of them. It doesn't matter. The dude for Clemson or the dude from Alabama. Those are the only two options. So, or Georgia, I think it might be Georgia. But anyway, um, that being said, I think Houston probably takes Bryce Young. I think with the number one, they just take whoever's first on their board that isn't a quarterback. Uh, who's got number three? Um, yeah, I can't remember who's got number three, but then the Colts take Levis, uh, and then Seahawks take whoever's the best defensive lineman on the board after that. And then after that, it doesn't really matter. But, uh, my only other crazy prediction in the draft is I think that Hendon Hooker goes to Seattle in the second round with, I think the 36th overall pick since, uh, Miami forfeited theirs. So um pick number three is the cardinals by the way yeah pick number three is the cardinals yeah they probably so you know they're not going to take a quarterback so they're not going to take a quarterback. here's where i land on this yeah so the bears aren't going to take a quarterback there was some report that they'd have to be really outstanding or standard (laughs) uh they'd have to be really blown away was the words they used to take a quarterback i think that that yeah is just sending the media bubble out there to try to see if somebody bites get somebody scared and need to trade up. Bears aren't going to take a quarterback. Justin Fields finally hit his stride. Uh, They obviously take Will Anderson if they keep it and give the Seahawks whatever's left. Texans are in the business for a quarterback. The Cardinals are not. The Cardinals could um, steal some stock from the Seahawks, so I think they do have to be worried about that. They are going to get the third best. I have no idea what the Cardinals are going to do, or yeah. So you know, to, uh, to update it, I player. think, um, I think. Oh my God! Okay, Yahoo Sports, calm down. They're calling CJ Stroud to be taken second by uh, Houston, but uh, that's that's crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, I know you Stephens, don't worms, JP. Yeah, you got no, uh, Mr. Ohio State, the yeah, Ohio so State University between, represented here. Between Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and Miles Murphy, it's going to go that order between or you know whatever order between the bears the cardinals and the seahawks seahawks will take whichever those three is left um i think if they if will anderson's left they might which i don't think he will be but uh if he's left he'll probably be they'll they'll trade down because they really need an interior defensive lineman i think they're all right on the edge um so yeah anyway they're, they're gonna get whatever defensive prospect is at five um and yeah, uh, oh, uh, I should also extend that and say that the Detroit is sixth, so they'll get whatever QBs left between Stroud, Levis, and um, Bryce Young. Although I will say the Lions have been out there saying that um, Goff is their guy, which is insane, and I hope that's not true. Yeah, they we're going to get to that a little bit a little bit later, but um, I sort of have a bold mm. prediction for for the draft here. I think that 
as of right now, obviously Stroud and Young are one and two, depending on your cup of tea. I'm an Ohio State fan. I'll just you know put that out on Front Street. I love Ohio State, uh, the Ohio State University um, from Ohio originally. I grew up rooting for them, but I think that Will Levis is watch the combine, and I think that Will Levis is one of those guys that's going to impress the crap out of scouts at the combine. I think scouts are going to be outstanding by him, and they're going to just fall in love with his his big arm and his ability to run and stuff like that. And I watched him at Kentucky. He does have a lot of great skill, but he does, he does make some poor decisions, but I definitely think, you know, every draft there's one of them, you know, Zach Wilson, Josh Rosen, guys that do super well at the combine and impress scouts enough to where they get drafted over, you know, other guys. Right. And so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Will Levis goes third or second or rather second to the, to the Texans or, you know, fourth to the Colts or something like that. I, I I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if Will Levis goes higher than a lot of people are ranking right now. But I agree with you guys about the Bears. They definitely aren't going to take a quarterback. Justin Fields has hit his stride. And I definitely think that of the two defensive prospects that are up, I think that Will Anderson is slightly better than Jalen Carter. So they're you know, probably going to take Anderson number one. Overall. As an Ohio State fan, I should also let you know that a majority of people are projecting that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba goes to Seattle with the number 20 pick. So... I mean, yeah, Jackson Smith and Jingba is definitely, you know, when he was on the team with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, you know, Fields was targeting him for a lot of those, like, contested catches on, like, third down and stuff like that. He's huge. Like, people don't realize that because he didn't really play a whole lot this year, but he's one of the better receiving prospects, you know, coming out of the draft in, like, a while. So, you know, he checks all the boxes. I definitely think that he could be a guy that, you know, if you want to draft a guy for fantasy next year, depending on where he goes, you know, he can make an impact right away as opposed to a lot of other receivers. So I'm really curious to see where he goes. All right. Well, I think this just transfers. We, we started hitting on, it. I think this just transfers naturally. Well, to- I, I do, I do need to throw in my two cents about the Colts since we have perused around them. I am so scared of Will Levis. I, I am in solidarity on your take there, Stevin. I, I think Will Levis is all, smoke and mirrors. I think there's a reason he wasn't as successful at Kentucky. That's, that's a weak schedule that he has. I mean, it, it, it just, when you see him play in the game, he doesn't perform to the level that maybe his metrics ask you to. And when we're talking about guys that you build your franchise around, you know, Mac Jones, even he, you know, he's struggling in new England. I think his outlook is, unsure of what they do in the future, but you see a guy that at least can win. And maybe it's the system. Maybe it's Nick Saban where he was in Alabama, but he is a winner. He can at least fill the system. Will Levis has not either filled the system or risen above the system and played outstanding ball like Bryce Young, like CJ Stroud. And then we're even talking about a Max Duggan. Max Duggan was not in a system that was well-established or a powerhouse school like Alabama or Ohio State. And Max Duggan rose above. He was a Heisman finalist. That could have easily been Will Levis. Nobody's out here touting Max Duggan's intangibles and his, his throwing ability and all those things. So Will Levis had a shot and he missed it. I want no part of Will Levis for the Colts at pick four, which is why... I'm going to disagree with you, JP, and I think we got to put the house on getting that number one pick from the Bears and taking Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Preferably, I lean Bryce Young. I know we disagree on CJ Stroud, Devin, but I, I mean, the Bears shouldn't be too scared about moving back to pick five. It's not a huge discount on where they <clears> are. <throat> they still pick ahead of the Seahawks. So I think that that's still a good position for them, and I really do not want the Colts well, to fall into Will Levis. But it, it, it's if we know anything about Jim Irsay, and I'm, I'm not trying to defame here, I just look at the type of quarterbacks that the Colts have had over the last seven years since Andrew Luck departed. And you walk into a museum and you see a, 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 a wall full of portraits of the quarterback. And what are you, what are you seeing you know, a lot of? The, the Colts quarterbacks do look like a lot of the, like the presidents because mm. – it, it's exception. a lot of white. It's a lot of white with one exception, unfortunately. That, this is an amazing analogy. And, and Jim Irsay is like the American public, and he's going to vote with some 
Indianapolis sensibilities. And I love the city of Indianapolis. I've never been there, but y'all have welcomed me as a fan. I'm part of the nation. But we have a stadium that's named Lucas Oil Stadium. This mm. is a, a, it's literally named after oil companies. And it, it just, it, it's, they're not going to draft CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, I'm afraid. And we're going to end up with Will Levis. And we're going to be back at this pick in another <laughs> not year. Not only are you going to end up with Will Levis, but you're going to trade up and end up with Will Levis. Trades <laughs> <laughs> to number two and still takes Will Levis. That'd be funny as hell. Oh, God. I it's, mean, because also, it's, it's I don't think you need. Look. I don't think you need to trade up to get Bryce Young. Or oh, CJ no, Stroud. I don't think we do. I think if we trade up, I would. I hope that would signify that we're going to go Bryce Young. But my point and is that why stay, not Why not just stay and take C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, whoever that is. Yeah, whoever falls, because you, know. you know the Bears aren't going to take him, and you know the Cardinals can't take him because they're yep. paying Kyler Murray $250 I million. Agree. So. I would be perfectly happy with C.J. Stroud at pick four. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I just think um, they do all the wrong decisions and they trade up and yep. they take Will Levis. Yep. So now yep. if they take Will Levis at four, that that's a little bit interesting because then you're saying that like, oh, Bryce Young's already gone. You know, we think that Levis is a little bit better than CJ Stroud. Of course I disagree with them, but it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a surprise. That's why I brought that up. Yeah, it's not it's not egregious as trading and then still taking Levis, but we can use this to parlay into our next topic, which uh, we were going to talk about the Lions QBs. Uh, we brought up Goff earlier, and I want to use this as the sticking point because if we're talking about the Bears looking to trade out of the number one spot because they don't need a quarterback, you have the Lions have two first round picks this year. They have the six and. I don't know what their other pick's going to be. It's probably 15, I think. It might be within a, one or two picks of that. But they have two top 20 picks for sure to trade up with the Bears potentially. And who did the Lions take last year in the draft? They took Jamison Williams. Who does Jamison Williams pair really well with? Bryce Young. I think my bold take, I don't think this, I don't know that this will happen, but my bold take and what I think would be a really good idea is for the lions to trade up their first their sixth and 15th to the bears to get to number one and take bryce young i still think you keep golf i think golf has earned himself he just got the first winning season for the lions in years he has earned a spot at least one more year to try to go to the playoffs this division is going to be for the taking the vikings i don't think are going to repeat and then you take Bryce Young and you let him sit for a full year. And then you can evaluate what you do after that. Maybe it is the second year that he sits. But taking Bryce Young in the future with Jamison Williams and following the trend of matching quarterback wide receiver combos makes so much sense for a team that's going to be getting good as Aaron Rodgers retires and as Kirk Cousins starts to fade. Kirk Cousins is peaking here. He's not going to maintain this over the next Two or three years. So in two years, when Rodgers and Cousins are gone, you have Bryce Young, young and fresh, ready to go, take this division by storm. That is the future for the Lions as I see it. I don't know if you guys agree or if they will do that. but I agree with your premise there that that's what they should do. I think that that's definitely something. If you believe that, that Bryce Young is going to be a generational quarterback, you trade what you got for him. I mean, the... The Chiefs had Alex Smith, who got them to the playoffs a couple of times, but they saw a generational talent in Patrick Mahomes. They traded a couple of picks to get him, right? So if you think that you have your guy, you go out and get him. The Giants did the same thing with Daniel Jones. Everybody thought, like, oh, don't draft a quarterback yet. Just wait. But they took Daniel Jones at number six, and everybody was shocked. And now he's in the playoffs. So the only thing I'll say is, based on what their GM said, not what their coach said, obviously Dan Campbell is going to be you know, all about their guys and stuff like that. But based on what their GM said, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think they really do. They wouldn't have put out that statement that, you know, Goff is our guy. We believe he could be – when we traded for him, we weren't trading for him for a year. We were trading for him to be our franchise quarterback or something like that. And I think they wouldn't be releasing statements like that if they weren't going into the draft and the draft process thinking that we're going to have Jared Goff for at least the next couple of years. And we're going to try to see how far this team can get with Jared Goff at a at our quarterback because Jared Goff also Jared Goff isn't that old. Like I think he's like not even 30 years old yet. So, you know, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that he's 28 years old. 
he's not completely out of the realm of possibility that they think that Jared Goff in three, four years could lead them to a Super Bowl. So I, I hear what you're saying. I think that that's a strategy if you really believe in Bryce Young or you believe in C.J. Stroud or maybe even Will Levis. I don't know. That, that's what you should do, but I don't think they're going to do that based on the GM's comments that we traded for Jared Goff to be our franchise quarterback. So, JP, where do you stand on Goff? I think they stand by him. I don't, I don't think they draft anyone. I think they stand by him. I mean, with the sixth pick, I think you're in a better place to build on what you've done this season than start over. I think you have a weak uh, NFC North. Uh, I, I think that this is the first year that you don't have to contend with the Vikings and the Packers. I think the Packers are in more of a rebuild spot than the Lions. Uh, so, 100%. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I just I think that I, I think they stick with Goff. I think they draft someone. I mean, let's see who else is around there. You can you could get an offensive tackle, one of the best offensive tackles left on the board, another edge, one, a freak of nature in Tyree Wilson. Uh, I think what they should do at six, if they keep six, is take a secondary piece. I mean, uh, Aiden Hutchinson has really proved his worth. Yeah. I, I mean, I think your line is fine, yeah. but they have no secondary presence. So that's definitely Well, I meant offensive line, but uh, yeah, Kelly Ringo. Yeah. Out of Georgia, anyone? Oh, no. oh yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah. I forgot about him. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do for this team that isn't just starting over. You know, uh, so I just don't I think would, they're in a place where they have to hit that button. I'd agree with you that I I don't think that they're at a starting point, start over point. In my an, a strategy that I've laid out here, what I see is a team that strategically creates a succession plan so that they don't have those stopgap years that they don't fall back into irrelevancy. If you draft a guy like Bryce Young now and you let golf ride a year to three would be pushing it. You're getting into Jordan love territory and maybe just wasting the talent, but at least a year or two where you say golf, take this team as far as you can, and then we'll evaluate and if you want to make a switch, it's not starting over two years down the road. To me, it, it makes sense. Maybe it's a little unique. Maybe it really hasn't been done. I think Patrick Mahomes to Alex Smith is a, is a great example. Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. You take quarterbacks before they hit their the end of their road, and then before the current quarterback hits the end of the road, and then you have this great succession plan. I see that oh, with Oh, just Bryce like Love Young and Aaron Rodgers. That's a good point. I never really thought about that exactly. Well, that well, 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 well. <laughs> the only difference with Love is that they took him at 27 when nobody expected them to. So, like, everybody was, oh, they're going to get a receiver. They're going to get T. Higgins or Justin Jefferson Falls. They're going to take him. And then they took Love out of nowhere, and everybody was like, what? So, like, that's a little bit different than wasting your six or trading up or using your six pick on a quarterback. That, that I think they're sense. absolutely stupid to trade up. I think Th- that's me too. Me too. the yeah. worst they're, they're, they're thing they could possibly do. Because you can build out the rest of your roster with number six and number 20. Hell, you could, yeah. you know, if you want to go full send on just passing it a bunch of times, you could maybe get Smith and Jing, but at 20, I don't know. Like, you know, like you could potentially. Well, they're 18, like by the way. And they're or, projected or they're eight, to get. Or 18, sorry. Uh, so which is even better. That. And they're projected to get cornerback Joey Porter out of Penn State. So I don't know. I don't know who their current quarterback is, but hypothetically, if you were to get Kelly Ringo and this guy out of Penn yeah. State, I think you could have a lockdown secondary, and it doesn't matter who your quarterback. Jeff is. Jeff Okuda, Ohio State guy, by the way, so I'm a little bit biased. But Jeff Okuda was playing really well for them to start the year, but then he got hurt again. So, so they have a they mm. have like a corner that can lock down, but yeah, if they get Ringo. You know, that's that's crazy. So yeah. We will remain to see what the Lions do. Maybe we'll get some signals. Obviously, we just settled the draft order a few days ago, so we have a long, long offseason. We haven't even hit the offseason. We have a long offseason to speculate, see where trading falls, and what signals we get from GMs, coaches. We have coaches to hire. The Colts might not know who they're going to take until they get a new coach in the building, Mm -hmm. so that could really be up for debate. Um so now I guess we'll transition, you know, from reflecting on the season that was to the preseason that will be. Um, we got some great matchups coming up this weekend. Want to take a moment. We don't want to go ad nauseum about all these matchups. I think there are several matchups that we can just kind of chalk up the W maybe already. So we're going to dive into maybe some of those other more competitive matchups uh, that we've highlighted. JP, I'll give you the floor to highlight your first uh, playoff matchup. 
I think this is going to be a shocker to everyone. Um, I'm actually the most interested in the Niners versus the Seahawks. Uh, I think that. Damn, I was expecting to go something else there. Yeah, you guys, you can pick up your jaws off the floor. Uh, So, first of all, the conditions around this is is crazy. Um, Where they're going to be playing in the middle of a monsoon, uh, and a colder weather than California's used to, a chilly fifty five degrees. Uh, but I mean, you're literally walking like it's 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 a home game for the 49ers, but it's really not because they're playing in cold rain. So uh, and I, I don't know if anyone re- uh, knows this, but uh, the the 49ers are actually pretty used to playing the rain. They've actually played at the Bears during a monsoon uh, and they lost to the Bears. Uh, that was so like week two of the season. Dude. It was week one. Was, don't, yeah, week one and, of the season. Yeah. Totally different team. Didn't have CMC. Don't get me wrong, but that team uh, did not have Brock Purdy. Excuse you. Exactly. Oh yeah, they, they didn't have. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Five weeks in the NFL, it should be an MVP candidate. Whoop de doo. Uh, I'm sure us, an off season of defensive coordinators taking a look at his film will won't won't hurt Brock Purdy at all. I just this is the third time they're facing. Obviously, there's never been a three game sweep. This is the second time they've ever faced in the playoffs. Uh, we know how the last time went. Seahawks won a Super Bowl after beating the 49ers in the last time. So, I mean. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> Are you calling Seahawks Super Bowl? I, feel I like have it's a said this in drink. the past. I have said that someone from the NFC West will win the Super Bowl this year. I've said that before. I put it in the group chat, and I stand by it. Whoever wins this game will win the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, you're pretty far off on the Cardinals, so you had a 75% chance, I guess, on that. Well, I mean, the, the, the reigning Super Bowl. The reigning Super Yeah, exactly. And you can't bitch at me about that because oh, you know that this yeah. man actually put money on it. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, I, it's it's a really interesting matchup. I, first of all, if you're betting on Debo or Kittle, uh, don't because uh, it's going to be rainy. You have Brock Purdy in his first playoff game, in his first rain game. Uh, it, you have They're playing against one of the worst de- pat- or run defenses in the NFL. Uh, so what you're saying CMC. is CMC to the moon on all my CMC. CMC to the moon, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, you don't want to put the, the ball in Brock's hand. Uh, you do want to put the ball in CMC's, in CMC's hand. And, uh, I mean, I think that – I just don't think they're going to have – I think the, the Seahawks are super uh, – th- at this last game, I think they had over 40 minutes of time of possession. You know, like uh, it, it's just – the Seahawks are really good at wasting clock as they are, and I think it's a low-scoring game, and I think that there's a lot of run yards. So, and I, I think the, I think it's going to be close. I don't think I don't think the Seahawks take it, uh, but I will say that the Seahawks have every single game they've won this season, they've been in the underdog, including including this last. Well, actually, the, I don't know. They, they didn't. They weren't the underdogs against the Rams, but every single game besides that, whenever they were expected to win, they didn't. Whenever they weren't expected to win, they did. We have an incredible record as underdogs, uh, and frankly the 49ers have everything to lose and really nothing to win it's just it's it's expected they win and so um i know ryan would just be crying and so i just really really hope that we win because i would love to rub this into his face for the rest of our lives so anyway uh it'll be interesting ryan would be crying in his house in shambles and vegas would have an earthquake so hopefully that Mm -hmm. doesn't happen yeah Local supplies of bleach would be, uh, you know, depleted, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm he always said, he always an says angry that. fit, not self-harm. Jeez. No, I'm not oh, just... kidding for that. I'm just saying he always <laughs> says that, but, uh, my matchup that I'm going to highlight is the Vikings and the giants. Now, a lot of the other matchups are pretty much kind of decided, right? You know, Lamar's out. So the Bengals are going to win, you know, the bills are going to win, whatever. I think this has the potential to be the biggest upset of all of them. You know, like a 4-5 matchup is never really an upset because it's 4-5, right? They're presumably somewhat close. I think that the Giants come into this game kind of with house money, in my opinion. Like, nobody expected them to be this good. Brian Dable has, you know, made some respect. Daniel Jones has already, you know, bought himself kind of a somewhat franchise quarterback ticket. Saquon's back. Everybody's excited about that. But the Vikings a lot of parallels with the Seahawks here. That's all I got to say. It, it does, but like the Vikings have everything to lose. They're the they're a team that has won a, a ton of close games. Nobody really believes in them, so they're going to have a lot of pressure on them to come out and spank the Giants to show everybody that they're real. And then you know, obviously, they'd have to play potentially San Francisco in the second round, so they'll probably be looking past that, past their first round matchup. And I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction. I think the Giants. Wait, you're saying the Vikings? 
Yeah, the Vikings have everything, have a lot of expectations. The Vikings they... will not play the Giants, or the will not play San Francisco. Okay, okay. The, the, uh, but I'm saying they might think, <laughs> but I know that that's your prediction, but like they might be thinking that like, oh. No, no, no I'm saying that the, the San Francisco is the two seed, and the Vikings, oh, they're not. Yeah, no, they won. no, one seed would play the lowest seed remaining. So like exactly, the Vikings, which is either going to be Dallas. Niners, if the Vikings and Niners win, they're two and three, they play each other, dude. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. They play the lowest. The one seed plays the lowest remaining seed. So the lowest remaining seed would be the winner of Dallas and you know and the Cowboys. So the Cowboys, if they beat the Bucks, would play the Eagles, and then the Niners would play the Vikings. That's okay. how it works. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, it works. I'm gonna JP. I'm gonna cut out you being a dumb fuck. <laughs> you, you, you can leave this in. I don't give a shit. Yeah, 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 we'll, we'll, okay. yeah. Whatever you want to do with the editing or whatever. But yeah, so in that scenario, I think the Vikings might be thinking to themselves, shit, we got to play San Francisco in the second round. Let's not, you know, go too hard or something like that here, injure one of our players and stuff like that. And the Giants come in there and they potentially beat them. So I'm going to make a semi-bold prediction here. I really do believe that the Giants are probably going to beat the Vikings for that exact reason. I think the Vikings might be looking past them and the Giants come in with nothing to lose. They, you know, hit a couple strikes, you know, to Darius Slayton or Richie James or whatever. They force Daniel Jones to pass. He makes it happen, and, you know, they could potentially win. So, you know, that's the matchup I'm going to be looking for and might be the most entertaining matchup of the weekend. Can't fault you two guys for your picks. Definitely going to be watching. Well, I'm going to watch all the games uh, for sure. But my highlighted matchup will be one of those teams – that you might think is that easy dub. Uh, it's the Cowboys and the Bucks. This will not be an easy dub. This will be Tom Brady doing what he does best and winning. The Cowboys will do what they do best and lose playoff games. Everybody expects the Cowboys to win. I know this. Their, you know, their record in the regular season was great. Their talent was great. They were able to win without Dak Prescott. I think there's a reason for that. I think because Dak Prescott holds them back a little bit, but I'll digress and I'll just say that it's pretty simple. Tom Brady's 7 0 7 0 against the Cowboys. He's 2 0 against the Cowboys in the last two years, at least. Tom Brady's going to throw the ball 50 to 60 times, most likely, and he's going to find a way to get it done. He's got home field advantage. This might be his last year. We never really know with Brady. And you want to talk about somebody that really has like everything to um, gain. It's the Cowboys. The Cowboys absolutely have the pressure here. Tom Brady has nothing to lose. He's got the rings. He's got the success. You know, he's going to be playing so relaxed and comfortable in this environment. And the Cowboys are going to be desperate to right the wrong of last year to get this win and I just think they won't be able to do it. And I don't think it's because the Buccaneers have a great defense. I think we look at what the Cowboys put out last week. Steven and I had a conversation after the game last week, the Cowboys, their performance against the Eagles and, or no, the Cowboys against the commanders, my bad. And the Cowboys just had a terrible, terrible day. And this was a game that they were trying to win. They had their starters in for, I think the entire game, maybe they got pulled at some point in the fourth and they just could not beat Sam Howell making his first NFL start against the commanders who had nothing to play for. And the Cowboys are out there trying to win because they didn't know what was going to happen to the Eagles. They had a shot at the one seed and with the one seed on the line, that's how they played. I do not believe in the Cowboys at all. I think this is going to be a massive, massive disappointment to their fan base who have suffered for so long. And this will just be another uh, strike against them. Good. Uh, yeah, we did have a conversation about this, you know, in terms of like who has to care and who has to show up and everything like that. My only argument against that is I would agree with you if they were playing anybody but the worst team in the playoffs. And that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were, I think, you know, eight and nine or like seven and 10 or something like that. Eight and nine. They haven't been great. Eight and year. nine. They're eight and nine, yeah, but they haven't been great all year. Their offensive line has injuries, and I I never want to bet against Tom Brady, but I definitely think that this is the Cowboys as a team are just collectively so much better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Micah Parsons is going to be in that backfield all day. Brady's going to have you know trouble throwing. Eventually, they'll score some points, right? They'll probably get fourteen or seventeen points, but 
I think that Dallas is going to win relatively easily despite not doing so well in week 18. In fact, I would have, if I'm Dallas, I'm glad that that week 18 thing happened where we kind of just, you know, took a, took a day off, didn't really, you know, show up to play and things like that that week than when it actually matters in, in the playoffs. So I think Dallas wins this game probably by 10 points, which is exactly why they might lose because this is a game that they should win by 10 points. <laughs> but but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with Dallas here. They have the better roster. They don't necessarily have the better quarterback, but I, I'm going to go with, with Dallas because of that. They're playing the worst team in yeah. the playoffs, so. Our solidarity could not be more split on that take. I, I, and, and we did discuss this. Is I think the fact that they did have nothing to play for last week, or it will, they could have won the one seed, but they didn't ultimately. But the fact that they were just kind of, you know, maybe you're saying, oh, you took a day off, whatever. It to me is troubling that even if they didn't think that they were going to get the one seed, that they just had to go out and play football. They just play. It didn't matter if they won or lost. Just play football. And that's how they played football. It was abysmal. It was terrible, dreadful, all the words. So to me, it, it, it's kind of the opposite. It's that that's how you play when you, you have no stakes against you. So when the stakes are on the table, uh, the Cowboys don't perform well. So that's what I expect for this weekend. Um, and in any case, we will have an exciting game. Of course, it's always exciting to see Tom Brady in a playoff game. He lives there. Um, he's bought property. Um, he's left his family for it. So this is where we're at. <laughs> if you listen to us, we actually took all three NFC underdogs, which I didn't realize well, I before didn't, we started I, I never said show. the Seahawks were going to win. I, you also didn't ask what my solidarity uh, pick was for uh... – What? <laughs> So what, what do you mean? What? Di- oh, you have a big diatribe about the Seahawks, you know, being closer. I, I don't think you're not going to take your team to win. What the hell? I don't think I didn't take them to win last week. For real, for real. You didn't you didn't ask what my solidarity pick was for uh, for the for the whatever the Bucks game. And oh, my uh, apologies, bro. What's your what's your solidarity? Well, when you talk to me like a primary school teacher, maybe I don't want to tell you. But uh, I, I, oh, I think that it's a tough one because I think both teams are just so bad. Uh, They've looked I, bad recently, for sure. Yeah, I just think Dallas. <laughs> this is, is a race is to a, the bottom. <laughs> a bad franchise, personally, uh, and I think that their fans deserve everything that's coming to them. But uh, that being said. Uh, God, okay, I'll go with the Bucks. I'll go with the Bucks. It's just wow. Okay, the trajectory here. I think getting Mike Evans back is huge. Um, I I think one of the biggest things about Dallas is getting the turnovers, and Brady doesn't do that. Uh, I, there, there's a there's just a, a lot of things that are leaning the Bucks way, and I it, it's to me it's a similar position as the Seahawks Niners. It's like. It's going to be closer than people think. I don't know I if do it's going to be that. enough to push it over the edge for the Bucks. I think them being at home is massive. I think Dallas never going to get to play a home game is going to be massive unless they play the Giants. Uh, I, I there's there's, there's wow. a lot of things that or, or the Seahawks. <laughs> uh, there's just a lot of things going going the direction of Tampa right now, and I the, the issue is I think if they win this game, they're and we might see another run. So um, it's whether Dallas can end it here or not. Uh, yeah, anyway, I, the Cowboys will not be playing at home because I don't think there's any. If it's a Giants-Cowboys NFC championship, then I think we should all just never turn on the TV again. Um, I just want to be clear. I'm not a Cowboys fan. Shout out to my mother, my lovely mother, who is a Cowboys fan, who's going to be you know rooting as hard as she can for the Cowboys. I just think that the Cowboys are just a better roster. And also, I don't really care if CD Lamb scores a touchdown, I win money. So that's what I'm really rooting for. So yeah, like I last think we're week, all rooting for CD Lamb. Yeah, last week he saved me. Remember that he got that one t- the one touchdown that Dallas got won me some money. So like you know that's that's good. So uh, we're rooting for a CD Lamb touchdown more so than a Cowboys win. But, yeah, we are invested in CD Lamb. We have solidarity around CD. CD solidarity. That's a great <laughs> way to end. I'm not going to try to say that t- five times fast. 
we'll have another great episode for you and tune into that By one the way, where fuck we will Stetson make some picks. I, that that what yeah no i'm going what? hot right what? now yeah no what? no you didn't expect that did you fuck oh my god leave keep recording keep it live they pulled him when he was half a yard short of his over I first Oof. I called the shit out of the national championship game. Both of you know this. I said it was going to be a Georgia smackdown. And everyone was like, oh, TCU's got a chance. They, they, they almost went undefeated. They didn't even win their conference, my guy. They lost to Kansas. So they're going to go in. Kansas State, like not even the real Kansas. So they're going to go in here <laughs> and go against Georgia and do anything. And so, so I'm like, okay, cool. I bet the over, I bet a massive over, I bet like, Georgia was going to score 40 points, which they did almost in the first half. I bet over 65 points scored in the game. I bet Stetson Bennett over two and a half TDs. And I bet Stetson, Betson, oh, Stetson Bennett over on yard. It was a $10 bet for $500 on the parlay. Every single leg hit except for the Stetson Bennett over because they pulled him with three minutes into the fourth quarter when he was half a, the, the, the over was 304, 304 and a half. He had 304 yards. That was the difference between me and five or $500. Fuck oh, Stetson that, Bennett. That was, the, that was the greatest podcast moment we've ever had so far. That was so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember I remember that. That was that was great. That's why I didn't – I told you guys that I wasn't going to bet on that game precisely for shit like that. And so I took an yeah. NBA DFS team and I made 25 bucks that night. So there, so there you go. Okay, you can't say I, I told you so for that because I was literally so right that they pulled the guy. I was so <laughs> yeah. right about Georgia yeah. Smack and no, 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 shit totally that they pulled him. Yeah, but we've you all been too, you one, too one good. short, one yard. You're right. short, no, one no, one you're right. I should have expected expected the QB one to get pulled in a national championship game because they're beating their shit in too hard. That's my bad for not expecting Kirby Smart to do that on a 25 year old quarterback who might not ever see a snap in the NFL. Like, there's just no fucking oh, reason. Oh, 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 that breaks my heart. That's not a bullshit. That's not a bullshit. Oh. He's literally Brandon the same age Whedon. as Josh Allen. He's literally the same Brandon age as Josh Allen. Brandon Whedon was taken in the first round as a 27-year-old man. Okay, somebody, somebody will take a shot on the back-to-back national champion Heisman runner-up. In It might be late. He might be waiting till the third day. Some team will take him because he's probably able to be a mentor to their current starting quarterback so why would you not take a built-in quarterback coach who can bring five years of wisdom to your rookie quarterback and just hire him as the quarterback coach don't draft him you know what i'm saying there you go the same roster spot the Bears will draft stetson bennett in the sixth round to coach up his arch nemesis bryce young (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, God. Well, that's how, that's how the cookie crumbles. Uh, yeah, that was that was crazy to watch unfold. The national championship and your bet, uh, JP. We yep. we all stand in in somber solidarity with you uh, behind what could have been. And on that note, we will say goodbye for this episode. It's been a good night, and we'll see y'all later. Oh, he just left. That's Wait. so funny. Wait, stop. The he just he just left. We're still recording. <laughs> he <laughs> just <laughs> left. How do we stop? <laughs> How do we stop the recording, bro? Uh. <laughs>